It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. And at my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, golf, and then some. The craziest sports summer we've ever had. It's simple make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your sports intuition, people. Select from hundreds of futures bets. You can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big old brain of yours to good use and use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now and bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, college football is on the brink. The PGA Championship was great, I think. It ended a little late for this podcast. Andy Poland joins me. We talk Darius Geis and the present and future of local TV sports. All that, plus, while the virus is going to virus, ball players are going to ball player. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, August 10th, 2020. Thank you for joining me. I wish it wasn't so, but the college football season is hanging on by a thread. Just out of curiosity, what threat level is this? I can't sugarcoat this. We're at threat level midnight. Yes, Michael Skarn. Threat level midnight. The Mac pulled the plug on their season on Saturday and... As of this taping on Sunday evening, with the PGA Championship coming to a boil, and I'm not going to try to rush through this, but I'm keeping one eye on the action so I can get back to it here. Uh, As of right now, the Power Five are all still in. Quote-unquote in, but the Big Ten is wavering, and these conferences almost certainly will fall like dominoes if the Big Ten starts it. I will just say this. I hope somebody has gone through all of the pros and cons in detail. I hope there have been rigorous internal debates because there has not been a very rigorous public debate. And I understand exactly why that is. My overarching theory now about everything that's going on in the world is that social media has elevated sensitivity to the highest virtue in the land. And so when sensitivity is on top, sometimes truth, which can be insensitive because economics does not care about your feelings. If sensitivity is at the top, then facts and truth are not. And then you start to see institutions and people and anyone who doesn't want to get blasted on social media skipping around the truth or perhaps perverting the truth to call something that like, you know, a CNN reporter with a burning building behind him says, and these protests are mainly peaceful. That's a case of I'd rather lie 
in and co- direct contradiction of what your eyes can see, then state the truth. The truth is becoming not just inconvenient, it's becoming unspeakable. And so when it comes to college football, I see one, two, three, call it four, maybe five truths that nobody is willing to utter. Truth number one is the risk to this age group is minimal. Not zero, and nobody knows, but it's minimal. We know this by the numbers. It's less than the flu. It is less than suicide. It's less than overdose. It's less than a car wreck on the way to the stadium. But car wrecks aren't contagious. See, the pro-virus crowd always has a shift and a move back and say, yeah, here's the thing, though, about, okay, so you know, car wrecks are not contagious. You could be in a car wreck with a fellow teammate, and that way it is sort of contagious. But guess what? It doesn't matter. Odds are the odds. It doesn't matter if something's contagious versus not contagious. The odds are the odds. But the point is, you're not going to bring a car wreck home to grandma and kill her. Yeah. And again, there's another shift there. Oh, the asymptomatic deadly transmission to somebody in a vulnerable age group. The risk is minimal for these particular students. And yet nobody can come out and say that. I mean, a few people are, obviously, but no one in position of power wants to dare say that because there can be cases which turn out badly. But the risk overall in terms of pure numbers is minimal. Truth number two, the players would be safer playing. I don't even think this is arguable. They'd be tested twice a week. They would be sort of all in as a group to say, we're going to have a boring-ass fall in college because we want to play football. We're not going to go out to parties. We're not going to do the kind of dumb stuff we normally do as college-age kids. We're going to hunker down to have a season, stick together, stay at home, be good. You turn 105 football players loose for the college for the you know first semester because they'll still be students, right? even though some schools don't even have the money for the meal plans without football being played to cover their students, student-athletes, that's a whole different thing. They're going to be like, all right, well, there's no football, so what do we do, coach? Well, you go to Econ 101 and you uh, study hard. We'll see if we can play in the spring. What do you think those kids are going to do? They're going to go to parties. They're going to catch the row. And they're going to mostly be fine but there could be some outliers. Will the media cover, if football shut down, offensive lineman X at University Y, who ends up in the hospital for a day with a bad fever, but then is discharged, will they cover that with the same zeal if there's no football, if it doesn't happen in a football setting? Ooh, ooh, do I see any answers? Of course. The answer is, of course, they won't. So that's truth number two that few people want to speak. Truth number three, money is why we have nice things. The NCAA and these individual schools have been kind of hushed by those who think that college athletes are getting a raw deal and that they're unpaid slave labor. They have been hushed into not defending their system. The system is wonderful. It provides a lot of nice things for all these student athletes. I went through them last week. And I'll do it again here if need be. You know what they are. 
We have nice things because of money. And the economics of the sport doesn't care about your feelings, doesn't care about your fears either. There will be carnage, the likes of which you can't imagine, because you cancel football. You're canceling basketball with it right away. And you're talking now two NCAA tournaments, the biggest cash cow in that sport, and a college football season with a college football playoff and all the TV money that goes with it. Holy shit. This is an extinction-level event. So what are you saying, that you should send kids out there and possibly die playing football? My answer is they could possibly die a number of ways. And my answer is if you want to opt out, opt out. I don't believe these waivers are a good idea, but I think somebody standing up and speaking the truth of, hey, we don't mind if you opt out and you don't want to play football. But there's a lot of kids who are willing to do it and are willing to take the risk, and they shouldn't be shamed either. And we're going to give it a go. Even if the rosters have 20% attrition because guy's got it, he's got to sit out, we put him to the side, quarantine, the whole deal. Maybe a couple guys need some IV fluids. Who knows? But to go in there with the full and open honesty of, we're doing this because we need the money, because money is why we have nice things. Like you know, a women's basketball team and a this and a that and a training room and meals and room and board. We have nice things because of all the money that we need. It's not evil and you're not being taken advantage of, but man, think of all the missed educational opportunities. I mean, loss of scholarships, kids dropping out. I mean, it's going to be carnage. So yeah, they've to me, they've got to try to play. Try to play at least. You got to tiptoe into it and see if you can't manage it. You can only cancel this thing once. And God help these schools if they cancel now in early August. And then by late September, whew, hear that sound, that little whistling sound? I don't know what that sound was. It's the sound of perhaps the coronavirus dying down to almost Nothing. How will they feel then? Like, oh, shit. God, it really really tapered off quickly there. Wow. Can only cancel once. It's unthinkable, but we're on the brink of it right now. It is threat level midnight. And by the way, I did pull the full The Office threat level midnight movie 24 minutes off YouTube. I've never seen it before. This actually has some parallels when it comes to money. And and Agent Michael Scarn saying, I don't care about money. Now he's after the NHL All-Star game. He's hitting a bomb somewhere in the stadium. Scarn, this one is personal for me. I own the stadium. I can't see it blown up. It's <laughs> my retirement plan. We have to search the stadium. Not so fast. That's my Golden retirement Face plan. Has taken all of the concession stand workers hostage. We go in, he kills the hostages. Why not just cancel the game? Cost them too much money to cancel the game. <laughs> money. It's always about money, money, isn't it? If I ever own a business, I'm not even going to care about money. Scarn, <laughs> will you find these hostages and save the game? No. I don't think it's important enough. <laughs> just out of curiosity, what threat level is this? I can't sugarcoat this. We're at threat level. Midnight. Heads I do it, tails I don't. 
Best out of seven. Best of seven. Tails. Heads. Tails. Heads. Tails. (laughs) It's spinning on the table. Looks like there's going to be a cleanup on aisle five. <laughs> I think college football presidents or college presidents and the ADs are probably not making decisions based on nothing more sophisticated than a Michael Scarn best of seven coin flip. Good luck. We're at threat level midnight. PGA is finishing now. I'm going to go watch it if you don't mind. It'll be done at about 11 o'clock Eastern. I'll already be in bed with my footy pajamas ready to wake up and kick ass on 97.3 The Game in Milwaukee. I apologize for not having it here on today's Abecast. Full recap with some of the golf nerds on Tuesday's edition. All you need to know is that Brooks Kepke, after talking shit after his round on Saturday, like, oh yeah, Dustin Johnson, he's choked a lot and I've won four of these has had the worst round so far today. And look at the young guns coming. Cameron Champ, Colin Morikawa, uh, 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 Wolf. Why can't I think of his name? Michael Wolf, Dustin Wolf, Michael Scarn, David Scarn. <laughs> I just wrote Wolf. Uh, the kid with the weird swing. I love that guy. I love all the young guns. It's great. All right, let's see if we can hook up with Andy. In his summer... Retreat, good old Vermont, and he just whisks away in the summer months. Come on, Andy! Come on, Andy! I know you got it. Come on, Andy! Your call has been forwarded oh, to an automated voice messaging system. Kidding me? Oh, here he is, right here. <laughs> Are you there, Andy? I got a hard line here. So oh, my God. You are deep in the woods of Vermont. <laughs> I hope I'm not racking up too much money. I mean, you know, what does a long-distance call on a hard line cost these days? It's free. Everything's free. Everything's free. <laughs> yeah. But you remember the days in which this phone call from a hard line might have cost a decent chunk of change. Well, let me tell you something. My first job was in Beaumont, Texas. And I used to call home on Sunday nights with a timer, 10 minutes, because it was close to a dollar a minute. And 10 bucks when you're making 160 a week, that that's a big done <laughs> debt there. So, yes, I do remember that well. You remembered it was almost a dollar a minute. I think it was, yeah. I, I, I believe it was about a dollar a minute. Wow. Okay. So uh, how is Vermont treating you? I bet it's lovely up there this time of year. I mean, we, uh, we've not had any rain. I've been following on Twitter what happened with the Nats, the Schlemiels who tried to roll out the tarp. Oh, uh, God, that was up. today, yeah. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For those that missed it, the, uh, the Nats had a bit of a rain delay today, a little pop-up thunderstorm, and they ran out there with the tarp and got it all snagged, and it was a holy mess trying to get it untangled. Yeah, so we haven't had any rain issues here. It's uh, I, I love coming here every summer. The nights are cool, and the days are basically low humidity, although it's been a little warmer here than it normally is, but uh, it's a lovely time. And the evergreens are spectacular, aren't they? 
Isn't that what's great about being, yeah, being in Vermont in the summer is being just ensconced, as Costanza would say, ensconced in evergreen trees. Yeah, it's the Green Mountain State. You know, everywhere you look, Green Mountains. (laughs) So uh, you go up there every year with a friend, but it's just you and your friend. You know, Arlene stays home and you go up there. It's kind of like your rejuvenation weekend or week, I should say. His family's here, so I, okay. I, I see them, and I, I mean by an extended family, his brother, his sister, his mother, you know, people like that. So it's a big house, and everybody gets together, and we have big meals and everything. It's, uh, nice. it's a lot of fun. Are you required to do many shows, many sports shows, to entertain the you family? Know, the, the group here is not that interested in the sports. They'll they'll kind of humor me and, and uh, you know ask, <laughs> ask me some questions. Put a few quarters in the Andy jukebox, but otherwise they don't really yeah. care. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think I think they're just doing it to, to you know just to, just to say okay, we're sort of interested in what you do, but we're really not. You know? Right, 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 right. Well, yeah. that's good. That's good. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about. Let's first of all, have you gone to the Ben and Jerry's factory? I, not this year, but uh, I did when the kids were little, and uh, we followed the chain of Cherry Garcia, and I got a free sample at the end. Yes, I, I have done that. Yeah, we did that with uh, with with our daughters. I, I loved it because who doesn't love Ben and Jerry's ice cream? They're fucking commies, but you know what? I just overlooked that because the ice cream is that good. Well, they are. I mean, but that's okay. They're proud commies. All right. Uh, did you visit Bernie Sanders' boyhood home yet? I have not. Okay. No. Have you been to Catamount Arena, where I'm sure they've got a photo of their framed upset of Syracuse in the tournament that one year? Well, the first college that my son Jeremy visited was uh, was uh, University Vermont. of Vermont. <laughs> because? Yes, he the, because he was a big fan of Tyler Coppenrath. He has this thing about <laughs> white <right>. players. <laughs> and so... Uh, yes, we still. I still in the basement have the Sacramento Kings throw pillow from the time we bought it when he was in love with Jason Williams. I know. So. And listen, you're, it, it is not racist, but it is just a fact of suburban white kid basketball life that you model and you dream of guys who look like you who could make the league. I bet Steve Blake was one of your son's heroes. Uh, yeah, I mean that that was a little bit later on, but yeah, I, I, he he did like Steve Blake. Uh, he had actually, you know, a funny thing. He went to the Maryland basketball camp, and that summer they had a player by the name of John Gilchrist who was a little yeah. bit nuts, yes. and he was an incoming freshman. And Blake was going into his senior year, and Jeremy witnessed a fight between the two of them, which I think has since made it to YouTube. But in those days, that I don't know if you you two may have been out, but it hadn't necessarily been on there. And I I don't know if you remember this, but Jeremy came on the show and started talking about the fight, and we got a little bit of blowback from Maryland about that. (laughs) Like, hey, man, don't report on that stuff. Well, my son was at the camp. He saw it with his own eyes. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's start with Darius Geis. Holy shit. Redskins running back, second-round pick Darius Geis dismissed from the team Friday evening. Of course this was a Friday evening news dump, Andy. As soon as the mics went dark at 6 o'clock, boom, here comes the news. I'm like, okay then. He had not one, not two, but three different domestic violence incidents that were in which the police were called and he was finally charged and arrested and in this new regime new culture with julie donaldson as the face of the franchise along with ron rivera this was never going to fly did the redskins act appropriately yes they did um here's a guy who came in with red flags he's not on the account of ron rivera since he didn't draft him 
And it's like, you know, look, this is a, a brand new Cadillac. It's got 5,000 miles on it. Why are you selling it for $10,000? Well, you know, there was, there was history here. And, and so that, that it, it came, you know, it came to roost here. And plus the guy's been hurt. You know, how many more years are you going to go through? Oh, let's hope he stays healthy this year. Two years in the NFL, that's pretty much your time's up. Yeah, he's had two knee surgeries and he's come back from them and had a good game as recently as uh, December 9th, I believe, against Carolina, irony alert, and Ron Rivera. But I'm trying to remember, Andy, and were we still together on the air when he first got drafted and we heard about, oop, oh no, red flag, I'm not sure. Were we still together or no? I don't think so. He because he he's only played two years and actually only played been one, three. First, so yeah, three. So, so three well, no, he had, first year he he hurt his knee in the first exhibition. No, he hadn't game, played three, but year. I'm saying he would have been drafted three years ago. I thought it was two, but okay, you may be right. I don't. Whatever the case, whatever. I'm trying to. Rem- I mean, I knew of his backstory. He had to watch his father get murdered. And he had a bad upbringing. He was a very big personality. And some were saying, oh, man, don't judge this kid. He's been through a lot. He's just a big personality. He loves the game. Others were like, no, this guy's a bag of shit. And apparently, yeah. bag of shit came home for the win. Yeah. And, it, you know, there were stories that he had skipped beatings, that he was supposed to meet with teams. Oh, and, that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing, it was a second-round pick. If it works out, hey, look at us. We, we, we overlooked all that stuff. We realized the true character of this person. And if it doesn't work out, it's, well, he didn't use a first-rounder on him. The irony is it happened just a day before they welcomed back Reuben Foster, another right. guy with domestic violence rap sheet, with a rap sheet on him. Yet he, too, was on Bruce's room charge, not on Ron Rivera's. And they're making a big deal. Like, he's back. He looks explosive. This defense could be sick with him on the field. Yeah, yeah. But there could also be something else. Now, he has been in in Washington for, what, a year and a half, right? And we haven't heard any off-the-field stuff. So, you know. To quote Chris Rock, what, you want a cookie? Well, also, he was acquitted of the charges in uh, it, where there was that in Tampa. It's not that he acquitted. Was, uh... The charges were dropped, which is a okay. slight distinction. But I get what you're saying. But he had charges that stuck back in San Francisco, though. You know that. True. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But but remember Bruce Allen saying, "Oh, I've got contacts in Tampa," <laughs> which I guess he did, or he had somebody who told him, "Yeah, these charges are not going to stick." Yeah, well, right now Adrian Peterson has to be eating or has to be wearing the biggest shit eating grin, right? He's like, "Hello, I'm RB1 again. Go look at that." Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean that that was the whole story of of the opening of the season. Why is he inactive? This is a Hall of Fame running back and you're saying and then, you know, Bruce uh not Bruce, but uh how soon we forget. Gruden, Jay Gruden snarkily says, "Oh, well, you know, he's only going to be on used on first and second downs. How many first and second downs are we going to have in a game? 50?" You know. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, I'm looking at the past 1 2 3 4 5 second round picks the Redskins mm-hmm. have made or the Washington football team has made. It's not pretty, Andy. First of all, they didn't have a second rounder this year because they spent it on Montez Sweat to move up to the right. first round last year. Sweat was okay, but not anything special. Then the year before that, they took Darius Geis' second round pick. He gone. 
They took Ryan Anderson as a second-round pick. He's at least on the team, but he is not impactful as a second-round pick. They took Sua Cravens in 2016. Crazy. And then the only good second-rounders they ever take, like Trent Murphy at Preston Smith, they they left at their first opportunity. Uh, Trent's doing great in Buffalo, and Preston's doing great in Green Bay. Yeah, no, the the draft history of this team has not been good, and you now have a circumstance where the head coach is picking the players, too, and that almost never works out, does it? No, no, I guess it doesn't. Um, Have you heard about the team's hashtag fiasco? Yeah, I did see that. (laughs) (laughs) So they decided to go with the Washington football team established 1932. Now that's when the franchise was established, but as... Mark Rippon said publicly, I don't know what that's all about. They should have just said establish 2020. You saw Rip's yeah. comments about that, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Rip, Rip's not happy about the whole name change. He's, Neither is Mark Mosley. Rip and yeah. Mosley oh, are the yeah. two most vocal guys. Theismann's, of course, on board with this. You knew he would be. Yeah, well, I, I imagine as, as long as El Rigo is drawing a check, too, he's on board. As soon as he's not, he's, he's not okay with it. All right, so so they, they decide that they said uh, on their social media accounts, they said our new hashtag instead of HTTR is night, hashtag 1932. But apparently you can't hashtag numbers because it doesn't work like hashtags are supposed to. Yeah, now here, here's my question. Who's working in their media department? I can understand if they asked me, a, a guy in his 60s, right. can use 1932? Right. I'd say, yeah, sure, why not? But it seems like somebody who specializes in this kind of work would know you can't use numbers. And so who, who are they checking with? They check with Snyder? I don't, yeah, sure. Yeah. 1932? I don't know. It's just one thing after the other. And then, of course, I have to look at their new font, which is not old school, and it's just... I don't know. It's weird. I have decided, Andy, I'm going to start calling them the Red Wolves now. I'm now, not minute. going to this wait. The shift that you you were the one that said make them like the Cleveland Browns, make I them did. Washington Football Team forever. Right, but well, no, I said Washington Football Club. That's different Club. than team. And okay. I said I wanted everything to remain the same, including the colors and the font and everything else. Just no logo. They didn't right. go that way. They, they fucked with the font. They called it team. They tried to throw in this established 1932, and I, we all know it's temporary. Like, I would have supported a permanent move to being the Browns or the new Browns, yeah. but not anymore. So I'm going to start by calling them the Red Wolves, thinking like this. A, if they end up as the Red Wolves, I'm just on the square early. It's like I went to Best Buy when a new phone was coming out, and I camped out in a tent. All right, first in line. If they're not, who cares? It's a temporary name. At least I got to call them the Red Wolves for one year. What do you think about that? Okay, but but while you're doing your talk programming and you're discussing various circumstances for the Red Wolves, will your audience be totally on board, or will someone tune in and go, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> well, the only danger would be if they don't know what I'm talking about, and don't you think everybody would put one and three together and get seven, or whatever the math is? <laughs> Don't you think they'd figure out, oh, he's already calling them the Red Wolves? Or would people tune in and go, wait, did they make an announcement? Did I miss it? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's usually the first reaction because they think you know everything, right? I yeah. mean, and you get it first. So, yeah. that that'd be, I, I know you're a big logo guy, 
I kind of, and everybody on Twitter seems to like, or the overwhelming support seems to be, for the numbers on the helmet staying. If that's permanent, would you mind that? Yes. Because, yeah, because it is the most half-assed. We have no other idea. Slap some digits on there and call it a day. It's very collegiate. It's like Alabama, which, hell, we've got 106 guys that are from Alabama on the team. But it just, no, I'm not down. Are you down with it? Well, I mean, look, here's, there's two teams. The, the Browns have never had a logo on their helmet. That's one. And the second team is the Steelers, who have it on only one side. Right. So those two are outliers. You know, why not be the third team that goes mm. a little different and only has the number? True, although the Chargers now have a number with their Lightning Bolt logo, which was a throwback to, I think, the era when Johnny Unitas played one, un, for, one yeah. forgettable year with them. You know, seventy three. You know mm. that was bad. But so yeah, I'm I'm miss- behind the the logo and the mock up. I liked was Red Wolves using the old Lombardi R in a circle with the wolf tail as the tail on the circle to mimic the feathers. I'm down I with that. Always hated the R. Always hated the R. But this would be a new R, Andy. This is a new R. No? It lasted two years, thank God. It it was the dumbest thing I ever saw. I mean, it was like, like, Vince, we get it. You had a G with a circle in Green Bay, but you took an R and you made the helmet yellow. I get it. No. Vince Lombardi may have been the greatest coach ever. Designing uniforms, no. All right. What are you you behind then, nickname-wise? What are you backing? you know, I, 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 it doesn't really matter to me, but I think they need to have a nickname that's controversy proof. So somebody will have some objection to something. So they need to find. Are something. you sure? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you sure somebody's going to have an objection even to Bobcats? Yeah, I think so because <laughs> because it's just you know it's wildlife. They're an endangered species. Oh, I don't know. You know, so All right. somebody, somebody, somebody was, oh, I was talking to Kevin Blackstone about this. He said, look, look what happened when Miami had a basketball team. They called them the heat. I said, yeah, let's call Washington the humidity, right? <laughs> <laughs> what would the logo for that be? A soaked shirt? <laughs> it would be, yeah, some guy schwitzing on K Street, you know? <laughs> a shirt with a big stain in it from all the sweat. Yeah. That would be appropriate, yeah. though. All right, so you're not officially backing anything just yet. No, no. Right. I mean, I want something that we don't have to go through this again. And we don't have to go through year after year. Oh, is this name offensive? Oh, this, this group doesn't like this. Let's just get on with it. You know, get a name and move. Yeah. Uh, by the way, one last thing on the Redskins. I was given an RG3 leftover jersey, a $120 replica. So this is one of the nicer ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, a listener uh, was had a friend who works in a you know NFL-licensed distributor shop. And after the name change was retired, they said they couldn't sell anything. So he sent his friend to scurry into the warehouse to try to find whatever Redskin stuff was left to give him to me. He found an RG3 jersey that already had been marked down from its original $120 price. Guess what the orange sticker on it said, which means it still didn't sell at this price. 20 bucks? $4.95. Wow. You know, you'd think somebody could make some kind of use out of it. I don't uh, know what. Yeah. 
I'm I'm going to keep it. I'm now I really like having this bit of as I call it Kitchikana cuz I once had sure. that Hainsworth jersey that I gave away and I was so mad about it cuz it it these are things that you look back and go, Haha. "Remember when they made shirts for this guy thinking he'd be great?" have the little um, Michael Westbrook statue yes! that you bought me. I got you that. <laughs> See, that's that's what I'm talking about when it comes to Kitchikana. Things that are unintentionally funny that only those who are super fans of the team even understand. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's okay. Look, here's where I'm drawing the line. I do have Redskin shirts, sweatshirts that I won't wear anymore, but I the Redskin pennant that I got in the 1960s that is in my basement, yep. that's staying. Okay. Uh, Tough times, media-wise, NBC Sports Washington. Uh, Michael Jenkins, gone. Rob Carlin, gone. Probably more to come, gone. They're going to do without sideline reporters. I mean, I remember the days when they had Washington Post Live as a show, and it was staffed to the hilt with hosts and guest hosts. And they had panel shows in the afternoons, in the evenings. I mean, what is the network going to be now? Well, here's what I was thinking too. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I religiously watch the Redskin post game show, or now it'd be the Washington Football Team post game yes. show because they carry. I, I like Trevor Maddich and whoever's working Santana with them. Moss good, and B. Mitch. Yeah, the, yeah, D'Angelo Hall did a year. It, it, it's all good, and and they show you the news conferences, so I get instant yeah. reaction after the game. Uh, Chick Hernandez did it for a long time. I thought he was very good. He got involved in the cutbacks too. Julie Donaldson leaves. I'm sure it's going to be Carlin who's going to do it. And now Carlin's gone too. Who's going to do that show? Isn't she going to do it, or is she too busy no. on the broadcast? She she's the radio person. She and she's working for the team. This is not a team thing. This is a an NBC Sports Washington. You know, it's it's it's. I think. Is it majority owned or at least partly owned by Ted? Oh, yeah. Ted likes to use interns, you know, so maybe it's going to be some kid, you know, right out of college. You like know, and, uh, a Pete Haley type? Yeah, might be. That, or, that's a good name. Who's who's the big guy? He's really nice. Uh, but... J.P. Finley is, 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 uh, is, but he's the reporter. He, I assume he would be at the games. No, who's the, who's the heavier set guy who used to just be a cameraman and they started putting him on TV more? Oh, Mitch. Yes, Mitch Tischler, super nice okay. guy, but you look at him, you're like, why are you on camera? And not because he's fat, just because who are you? What, do you have anything right. I want to hear? Like, wh- wh- how did you get here? What's your experience? What's your background? Does that matter? Am I talking to myself? He sat down. <laughs> That's why he's on camera? Yeah. Hey, okay. what's going on here? Doing a TV show? Hey, I'd like to be on that. Yeah, have a seat. <laughs> I mean, they, I, I hope they're paying those guys not a lot of money. <laughs> Who knows? I anyway. mean, in this, in this day and age, look, I, I'm fortunate to have full-time employment. That's 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 uh, it's a blessing these days. It's sure it is. Sure it is. But, yeah. I mean, at the same time, you, you wonder about the future of sort of local TV sports. Well, you know, you know what I was thinking, and maybe you, you've, you've considered this, too. I'm when you talk to young people, who's to say you can't make your own Zoom show? And let's say you have 300 people tuning in every week. You can sell that. You can do your own thing. Sell now. it. You don't to who? Yeah. Whatever. Sell it to the corner barber shop. You know, whatever it is. But and you what's, got no overhead. Well, okay. What's what is your uh, your flight of ads going to cost <laughs> Mel's <laughs> barber shop? With the three hundred zoom, with a three hundred zoom viewer audience, go ahead. I'm I'm all ears, Andy. <laughs> well, 
maybe it's 200 bucks a week. I don't know. Top 200 a week? I'll have yeah. to get 50 new customers just from the post-game show. What are the chances well, maybe, of that? Maybe you will, word of mouth, you know, and, <laughs> and, you, and, and you do a demonstration of the host while he's doing the Zoom call, how good a job you do. I don't know. I, I, hear, you, I hear you on that front, but I think it's too fragmented that you want one central place to go. There's still there's still got to be a place on broadcast TV, broadcaster cable, for people to assemble to watch. Look, there there was a period of time in our town where you had two sportscasters who were making north of a million dollars a year and earning it in George Michael really? and Glenn Brenner. Yeah, and and then you also had uh, Frank Herzog who was doing well. And those days are so far gone; it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I, the the nightly guy. Or woman on the on the news who does the sports probably makes sixty seventy thousand dollars a year. A million dollars in the eighties, you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brenner signed a deal that guaranteed college education for his kids. <laughs> I mean, it was it, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, do you want to say something nice about uh, the great Regis Philbin? Oh, Regis, I think was the, uh, Letterman nailed it. Letterman said the two best people on talk television were Carson and Regis. And there are some backstories about Carson, which are just terrible. Apparently I, I loved him on TV, but apparently behind the scenes, not a good he was guy, a real, a real jerk Regis. It, it, and you know, Ackerman, right? Rich Ackerman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Ack in, in late in Regis's life, last 15 years struck up this incredible friendship with him from the gym. And and uh, I, I had Ack on my show talking about right. he, Hold he, on. they would get the At Rich Ackerman was a former radio beat reporter update guy for nine eighty back before it was nine eighty, right? When it was Yeah. What was the original uh frequency? Five seventy, WTEM, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this was back in the early nineties. Nice yeah. guy, but super nerdy <laughs> and just a radio plugger. He became close friends with Regis Philbin in New York yeah. City. Well, Ackerman has gone on to be an update guy at the fan, and he's done he's done well, you know, doing and carved out a nice career with that and CBS Sports Radio. So they went to the same gym. I, I didn't know you didn't know this. They they went to the same gym, and and Regis knew who Ackerman was because he was a big fan of Mike and the Mad Dog, and Ackerman would do the updates. Wow. And and so you know he uh, they were watching TV or something together, and and Ackerman said something and. And Regis said something to him, and and one thing led to another, and they became actual close friends. I mean, Ack said that, that Regis invited him to go with him to a Notre Dame game, but he had to work that weekend. They would go out to dinners. Uh, Regis put him on his show live and did a did a dating game thing with him. And, wow! You know, picked, yeah, yeah, it was unbelievable. Mm. And uh, did you talk about Francesca's bowing out? Did we talk about that? You and again, I again, again, yeah. I don't think we did. Actually, I've been bumped for some pretty big names lately. I've been very impressed with the guest list. Whitlock's oh. been on, Sean Springs. So Thank I'm, you. I'm, 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 yeah, it's good so to have I, you back I, in the lineup, though. I did miss you, well, Bubbola. Well, I, missed it. I missed it, too. But like I said to somebody who's on Twitter, I said, you know, when uh, Raquel Welch is available, Carson didn't book Buddy Hackett on The Tonight Show. It just didn't work that way. All right, so is Francesca's comeback? The worst sports comeback since Jim Palmer tried to pitch at 48 years old, or what? <laughs> well, Palmer never made it back to the major league. Did you, you know the backstory in the Palmer comeback? No. This is incredible. He was 
throwing like at a high school. This is what, how know, old was he? After he, re- he was he had retired. I think he may have already been in the Hall of Fame. So he was probably Jesus. in his early forties. Okay, he's in his early forties, and there was some like high school pitching coach who was watching him now. Palmer had one of the most fluid motions I can ever remember. Oh, yeah. It was poetry in motion when he would pitch. And the high school coach goes, no, 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 you're doing this all wrong. And Palmer tried tweaking what, you know, he gave him, and he said, yeah, you're right. And that led him to try a comeback (laughs) with the Orioles. And, of course, that didn't work out. But he never really made it to a game, so I I wouldn't consider that to be the worst comeback. But what Francesa, Francesa came back, Basically, because he thought once he left the first time, the people were going to be banging down his door with offers. Right. And it, it didn't happen, so he used his power to Bigfoot the afternoon show that took his place with some executives at Intercom who panicked, and he got back on the air, and, you know, the emperor has no clothes. He wasn't, he wasn't very good. I still don't think that's it for him. I, I, I would be very surprised if he doesn't resurface again. Wow. And all those executives that caved to this madman and created a disastrous one-year, you know, detour that was pointless—they've all been fired and are now working at an Apple. Oh no! Wait a minute, they're not. That's not how it works in our business, right, Andy? That's right. You you make the decision and you bl- and then blame the failure on somebody else. Jesus. You know, success has many fathers. Failure has is an orphan. I love that yeah. quote. That's a good one. Uh, Ninety spring of ninety one, seven months after Jim Palmer had been inducted into the Hall of Fame at forty five years old, he tried to make a comeback. It did not go well. Thank you, Seamheads dot com, for that reference right there. Andy, you go back to enjoying Vermont, my friend, and I'll talk to you next week. Good to talk to you as always, Dave. Have a good week. Thank you, bud. Couple things to end on here. Indians pitcher Zach Plesak wins your Donkey of the Week award. He was sent home to Cleveland after he was caught going out with friends in Chicago on Saturday night in violation of team rules and the league's health and safety protocols. <laughs> ball player's going to ball player, yo. It's almost like you say to yourself, they wouldn't be that dumb to do this, would they? Not well, oh, okay. Well, they, they just did do exactly that. And then there's this from Fox 12 Oregon. What not to do in a bear, bear attack? Uh, shit your pants? Too late. No, what not to do in a bear attack, says the headline. Push your slower friends down in an attempt to save yourself. <laughs> so says the National Park Service. <laughs> Who would think of such a thing? Oh, shit, grizzly bear. Run. Hey, Phil. <laughs> Shove him to the ground. All right, sweet. I'm going to live. He's going to be bear snack. See you later, Phil. Sorry about that. That's a wrap for today. Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you very much for downloading and listening. If this podcast is any good in a sea of mediocrity, then tell somebody about it. Especially somebody who likes sports, good conversation, no bullshit, a little dollop of you know, real-world stories along with your sports, this is the place. Help grow the nation. 
Send it to a friend. I appreciate it very much. Rate and review as always. Have a great Monday, and I will simmer. Break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my seat.